Welcome to Zichud Daf Siman. I'm Rabbi Abraham Goldar, and the Rambam Zechus Yevamos Daf Lamed Vav. The fourth parak, Achotz Gavimto. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, Rabbi Lazar attempts to bring a Mishnah that supports Rish Lakish, who says that Chalitza is Moberes Loshma Chalitza. A Chalitza of a pregnant woman is not a valid Chalitza, even if she miscarries. For the Mishnah taught, if a woman's husband and her tsara went to Medina's Yom and they came back and reported that her husband was dead. She cannot marry or be taken in Yibum until she determines whether her tsara is pregnant. Malazar said that it makes sense that she cannot do Yibum, for perhaps the child will be viable and the Yavu will be transgressing the derives of Eshazach. But why can she not do Chalitz within the nine months if Chalitz of a pregnant woman is valid and then remarry after the nine months have passed? This implies that a Chalitz of a pregnant woman is not valid. The Gemara rejects this proof and explains that the reason this woman may not do chalitza and remarry until she determines whether her tsar had a child is that perhaps the tsar had a viable child, and it will come out that you will require an announcement that she's fit to marry into the kahuna. It would be declared that her earlier chalitza was not effective and she's not a chalitza to be forbidden to kahanim. The Gemara clarifies that we are concerned that if someone was not at the announcement, they might come to think we're permitting a chalitza to a kahan. Point number two, Ravan said that the halacha goes according to Reish Lakish in three issues, one of them being that chalitza's is loshma chalitza. The third matter related to a case where a father signed over his properties to his son to be acquired after the father's death, where the father retains rights to the peros, the produce, until his death. Machra ben b'chaya'ab, umesa ben b'chaya'ab. If the son sold the property during his father's lifetime and the son died during the father's lifetime, Rabbi Yochanan says, well, the buyer did not acquire the property upon the father's death, but Rish Lakish says, the buyer has acquired the property upon the father's death. The Gemara explains, the Rabbi Yochanan holds, that ownership to the rights of the produce, which the father still had, is in effect ownership of the principle of the land. Therefore, the son's sale did not have legal standing. Rish Lakish holds that the buyer does acquire the land since Kenyan bears love Kenyan Aguf. The ownership of the rights to the produce is not considered as if he still owns the land. And point number three, the Mishnah taught that if one marries his Yovama and she's found to be pregnant, if the child is not viable, he keeps her as his wife. The more here brings up rights with an opposing opinion that taught. In the name of Rebeleazer, they said, Yotzi beget, he must divorce her with a get. Rashi explains that even though the Yibam is valid, since the child was not viable, the Rabbanim penalized him and required divorce because by marrying the Yavama, who was possibly pregnant, he risked violating the Daraisa Isser of Eshazach. The get alone is sufficient here without a chalitza, since it was revealed in the end that the Yibam was valid. The Gemara compares Rabbi Yazir's din with Rabbi Meir, who holds that if one married the pregnant or nursing ex-wife of someone, Yotzi will yaks he must divorce her and never take her back. The Gemara questions this comparison. So once again, the three points are number one, Rabbi Lazar attempts to bring a Mishnah. That supports Reish Lakish, who says, Chalitza's mu'uberis, Roshma Chalitza. A Chalitza of a pregnant woman is not a valid Chalitza, even if she miscarries. For the Mishnah taught, if a woman's husband and her tsar went to Medina Siyam, and they came back and reported that her husband was dead, she could not marry or be taken in Yibum until she determines whether her tsar is pregnant. Malazar said that it makes sense that she cannot do Yibum, for perhaps the child will be viable and the Yavu will be transgressing the derives of Eshazach. But why can she not do chalitz within the nine months if chalitz of a pregnant woman is valid and then remarry after the nine months have passed? This implies that a chalitz of a pregnant woman is not valid. The Gemara rejects this proof and explains that the reason this woman may not do chalitz and remarry until she determines whether her tsar had a child is that perhaps the tsar had a viable child. And it will come out 
they will require an announcement that she's fit to marry into the kuna. It would be declared that her earlier chalitza was not effective and she's not a chalitza to be forbidden to kahanim. The Gemara clarifies that we are concerned that if someone was not at the announcement, they might come to think we're permitting a chalitza to a kahan. Pointing to Rav said that the halacha goes according to Reish Lakish in three issues, one of them being that chalitza's is loshma chalitza. The third matter related to a case where a father signed over his properties to his son to be acquired after the father's death, where the father retains rights to the peros, the produce, until his death. Machra ben b'chaya'av, umesa ben b'chaya'av. If the son sold the property during his father's lifetime, and the son died during the father's lifetime, Rabbi Yochanan says, the buyer did not acquire the property upon the father's death, but Rish Lakish says, the buyer has acquired the property upon the father's death. The Gemara explains, the Rabbi Yochanan holds, that ownership to the rights of the produce, which the father still had, is in effect ownership of the principle of the land. Therefore, the son's sale did not have legal standing. Rish Lakish holds that the buyer does acquire the land since Kenyan bears Lavka Kenyan Aguf. The ownership of the rights to the produce is not considered as if he still owns the land. And pointing with you, the Mishnah taught that if one marries his Yobam and she's found to be pregnant, if the child is not viable, he keeps her as his wife. The more here brings up rights with an opposing opinion that taught. In the name of Rebeleazer, they said, Yotzi beget, he must divorce her with a get. Rashi explains that even though the Yibam is valid, since the child was not viable, the Rabbanim penalized him and required divorce because by marrying the Yavama, who was possibly pregnant, he risked violating the Daraisa Isser of Eshazach. The get alone is sufficient here without a Chalitza, since it was revealed in the end that the Yibam was valid. The Gemara compares Rabbi Yazir's din with Rabbi Meir, who holds that if one married the pregnant or nursing ex-wife of someone, Yotzi Yaks he must divorce her and never take her back. The Gemara questions this comparison. All right, so now we go to a Simradaf Lamed Vav, and her standard simon is a Lulav, a Lulav for Lamed Vav. So here goes. The Lulav salesman missed the announcement that a certain woman who did a Chalitza was in fact permitted to the Kahuna because he was jumping for joy that the sale of the Lula farm he bought from the farmer's son was still good when the son suddenly passed away. After being told he had to give his Yavam a divorce because he did Yibum prematurely, risking violating the Isser of Eshazach. Once again, it's emotion. The Lulav salesman, Lulav, that must be more enough. Lamed Vav. The Lulav salesman missed the announcement that a certain woman who did Chalitza was in fact permitted to the Kahuna, which reminds us of the reason why a woman couldn't have a Chalitza done in a case where her husband and her Tsar went overseas, and they came back and reported that her husband was dead, and it's not yet known if her Tsar had a child, is not because Chalitza's Mu'uber, Tzoshma Chalitza, a Chalitza of a pregnant woman, is not a valid Chalitza even if she miscarries. Rather, it's because perhaps the Tsar had a viable child. And it will come out that you'll require an announcement that she's fit to marry into the Kahuna. It would be declared that her earlier chalitza was not effective and she's not a chalitza to be forbidden to kohanim. The more clarifies that we're concerned that if someone was not at the announcement, they might come to think we're permitting a chalitza to a kohen. So the Lulav salesman missed the announcement that a certain woman who did chalitza was in fact permitted at the kahuna because he was jumping for joy that the sale of the Lulav farm he bought from the farmer's son was still good when the son suddenly passed away. Which reminds us, Rav says the halacha goes according to Reish Lakish in the case where a father signed over his properties to his son to be acquired after the father's death, and where the father retains rights to the produce. If the son sold the property during his father's lifetime, and the son died during the father's lifetime, Rishwaki says, the buyer has acquired the property 
upon the father's death, since Kinyan Paris Lavke Kinyan Aguf, the ownership of the rights of the produce, which the father still had, is not considered as if he still owns the land. So the Luv salesman missed the announcement that a certain woman who did chalitza was in fact permitted at the Kahuna, because he was jumping for joy that the sale of the Luv farm he bought from the farmer's son was still good when the son suddenly passed away after being told he had to give his Yavama divorce because he did Yibun prematurely, risking violating the Isser of Eshazach. Which reminds us, if one marries his Yavama and she's found to be pregnant, if the child is not viable, he keeps her as his wife. The Gemara here brings a Bryce with an opposing opinion that taught. In the name of Beleza, they said, Yotzi beget, he must divorce with a get. Rush explains that even though the Yibum is valid since the child was not viable, the Rabbanim penalized him and required divorce because by marrying the Yavama who was possibly pregnant, he risked violating the Jeraisa Isser of Eshazach. So once again, the Lulav salesman missed the announcement that a certain woman who did a chalitza was in fact permitted to the kahuna because he was jumping for joy that the sale of the Lulav farm he bought from the farmer's son was still good when the son suddenly passed away after being told he had to give his Yavama a divorce because he did Yimun prematurely, risking violating the Isser of Eshazach. All right, now it's time to go to our four blabat chazara. Daflam base. So the Simmer Daflam base is a mad scientist in a lab. So here goes. The mad scientist, mad scientist, that must mean we're on Daf Lamed base. Mad scientist in a lab. The mad scientist's strange Isser Chal Isser radar device pointed at a man's brother's wife, who was his wife's sister, which reminds us it was taught to Bryce of Ba'alel. If the Yavam had relations with the Yavama while his own wife, who was her sister, was still alive, Rabbi Yossi holds that he's high for violating the Isser of a brother's wife and a wife's sister. Rabbi Shimon says, He's only high for violating the Isser of a brother's wife. Rashi explains that Rabbi Shimon holds, One Isser does not take effect upon another Isser. So the mad scientist's strange Isser Chalal Isser radar device pointed at a man's brother's wife, who was his wife's sister, detected an Isser Mosif signal, which reminds us, the asks whether Rabbi Yossi really holds of Isser Chalal Isser, for it was taught in Abraisa, if one didn't aver, there results in two different methods of execution. The Tanakhama holds, Nidam B'chamura, he's subject to the more severe one. Rabbi Yossi says, Nidam B'zika Rishona Bali Love. He's subject to the execution that comes from him from the first attachment. This seems to prove that Rabbi Yossi does not hold of Isser Chal Rabbi Yavo said Rabbi Yossi does hold that ain't Isser Chal except in the case of an Isser Mosif, when the second Isser is more extensive than the first. For example, when a man marries, his wife's sister becomes prohibited to him, but not his brother's. When one of his brothers marries a sister, then the sister now becomes prohibited to all the brothers. Therefore, Rabbi Yossi holds he's high for both if he has relations with her. The Gemara will refute this explanation. So the mad scientist's strange Isser Chalal Isser radar device pointed at a man's brother's wife, who was his wife's sister, detected an Isser Mosif signal coming from a czar doing a vote in the base of Migdash on Shabbos. Which reminds us, the Gemara brings three disputes between Rechia and Bar Kapara. It was stated, Zar Shishimash B'Shabbos, if a non-Kohen served in the base of Migdash on Shabbos, Rebichia says he's chayv twice, once for serving the base of Migdash, and one for being Machal Shabbos, whereas Bar Kapar says he is only chayv once, as a non-Kohen serving. Each one took a note and claimed they heard their opinions from Rebbe. Two more similar disputes are brought, and on the next daf, the Gemara will discuss whether Melchogazim are based on. Daf Lam Gimel, so the similar Daf Lam Gimel is a pegleg pirate. So here goes. The pegleg pirate, pegleg pirate, that must be one daf. Lama Gimel. The peg-leg pirate who was caught doing two prohibitions at once as he served in the temple on Shabbos, which reminds us, the Gemara goes to an extensive analysis of what the Malchokas between Rebichia and Bar is based on 
and concludes they're disagreeing in regard to simultaneous prohibitions, which are prohibitions that come into being for a person at the same time, and according to the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Rashi explains that according to Rabbi even Rabbi Shimon, who rejects the principle of Isser Kolel and Isser Mosif, would agree that the prohibitions that occur at the same time take effect, since neither in his position to block the other from taking effect. According to Bar Kapar, Rabbi Shimon also rejects the principle of Be'ezer Achas, simultaneous prohibitions taking effect. So, the peg-like pirate who was caught doing two prohibitions at once, as he served in the temple on Shabbos, and was told he was going to be buried among the complete Rashaim, even though he just did an Ba'alma, which reminds us, Gamora asks in reference to the case of Azar Shishimish B'Shabbos, what avoded did the Azar do on Shabbos? Rav Achibar Yaakov said, B'Shchit is Parashal Kohen Gadol, shafting the Kohen Gadol's bull on Yom Kippur, according to the one who holds that a czar may not do it. When the Gemara notes that even an ordinary cone is not permitted to do so, it answers that a czar in this context refers to someone who is not a cone in regard to this avoda. Ravashi objected to this answer since Achatus was not mentioned in Raviosi's ruling and neither were any negative mitzvahs. Rather, it refers to general prohibitions even if they do not result in Achatus or Malkus. The Nafkamin is regard to Lekavru bin Rishaim Gemurim, to bearing him among complete Rishaim. According to Rabbi Yossi, he's buried among complete Rashaim in a cemetery for those who were stoned or burned. So, the peg-leg pirate was caught doing two prohibitions at once, as he served in the temple on Shabbos, and was told he was going to be buried among the complete Rashaim, even though he just did. And Nisir Ba'alma ran and was Makadish a woman whom he accidentally exchanged with another at the time of Rechuppah. Which reminds us, so the Gemara clarifies that when the next mission brings a case of two men who were Makadish two women, and says that at the time of the Chuppah, they exchanged wives, which implies B'mezid, that the Mishnah should be amended to read, they were exchanged, so the Simmer is a ladder. So here goes. The tummy man who was hiding up high on a ladder, ladder, that must be more of Lamadalad. The tummy man who was hiding up high on a ladder, eating chelev that was noticed that he carried in his mouth on Shabbos, which reminds us, the Gemara asks, who is the tunnel who holds that two prohibitions take effect upon a single item, whether it's through an Isser Kola, an Isser Mosif, and an Isser Basachas? And review to said in the name of Rav, that's Rabbi Meir, for it was taught in the Mishnah, Yesh Ocha Achila Achas v'chai v'leo arba chatos v'ashem echad. There's one who does one act of eating and is high for four chatos offerings and one ashem. The case is a tummy person who ate chelev, that was Noser, from consecrated offerings on Yom Kippur. Rimer says that if it was Shabbos and he carried it out in his mouth before swallowing, he would be high of a fifth offering. So we see from here the Rimer holds of all three types of prohibitions, including an Isser Basachas. So the tummy man who was hiding up high on a ladder eating chelev, that was Noser, that he carried in his mouth on Shabbos, watched a bris down below where a father was rushing, had the wrong baby circumcised, which reminds us. The more asks, who does Rabbi Meir rule in accordance with, given that he holds that the two men who actually switch wives should bring chattas offerings, and answers that he holds like Rabbi Yezah that holds a tobedvar mitzvah chayv. Alternatively, it could be that he rules even in accordance with Rabbi Yeshua, who stated his position that a tobedvar mitzvah pater, in the case of circumcising babies on Shamas, this manu bohu, where a person's time is rushed, since there's a mitzvah to circumcise the baby on the eighth day. If he erred in that situation and circumcised the wrong baby that was not meant to be circumcised on Shabbos, he's putter. But here in the case of marrying the woman, his time is not rushed since there's no specific day that he must marry the woman. So the tummy man who was hiding up high on a ladder in Chalif, that was no sir, that he carried in his mouth on Shabbos, watched a bris down below where a father was rushing, had the wrong baby circumcised to the horror of its mother who had gotten remarried 10 years after her first husband's death. Which reminds us when Rubin came, he said in the name of Yochanan, 
Any woman who waited after the death of her husband 10 years and then remarries can no longer bear children. Rav Nachman said, They did not teach this rule except when she did not plan on remarrying. But if she did plan on doing so, she can still become pregnant. The more brings the case of Rav Chisda's daughter who bore children to Rav 10 years after the death of her first husband, Rami Barchama. Daf Hay, so the simmer Daf Hay is the children's choir singing La La La. So here goes. The children's choir, children's choir, that must mean we're on Daf Lamed Hay. La La La. The children's choir joyfully singing at the Giorgis' Chasna, the day after her conversion, which reminds us all women who had relations and then want to remarry need to wait three months, except for a woman who converted as an adult and a ship who was freed as an adult. When the word suggests the Rabban should be goes for these women to wait as well, since it's come for them to have illicit relations, it answers that Shmuel's going according to Rabbi Yossi, who holds that a Giorgis, a Shvuya, a captive woman, and a Shivcha do not need to wait three months. Abai explains the reason they do not have to wait is that a woman who engages in Znus inverts herself after having relations so that she does not become pregnant. So, the children's choir joyfully singing at the Giorgis' chasna the day after her conversion were thankfully not present in the hall next door where two daughters of Kohanim got switched to their chuppas and became pasalti truma. Which reminds us, the Mishnah had said of Imahayu Kohanos, Nipsu mina truma. If the calls were daughters of Kohanim, they are puzzled from the eating of truma. Rav said that the Mishnah is teaching that if they were daughters of Kohanim who were married to Yisraelim, they are puzzled from eating truma from their Kohanic homes. Rush explains that even though a baskon who was violated while married to Yisrael is not prohibited to her husband, if he were to die, she would not be able to return home and eat truma. So the children's choir joyfully singing at the Giorgis' chasna the day after her conversion were thankfully not present in the hall next door where two daughters of Gohan got switched at the chuppas and became puzzled to eat truma, while a guest who was pregnant and had done chalitza was rushed out and tragically miscarried, which reminds us, the Gemara brings a Malchok as a Marim in the beginning of the fourth paragraph regarding one who does chalitza with a pregnant woman, and then she miscarries. Rabbi Yochanan says she does not need chalitza from the brothers, since the chalitza is now seen to be valid, whereas Rishakish says she does require chalitza again from one of the brothers, since the first chalitza was not valid. The Gemara teaches that Malchok is going to be explained based on Psukim and on Svara. All right, that concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Ram Golden wishing you a great day and great learning.